Well, sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. I'll begin by asking you a question. What makes you comfortable? What makes you comfortable? If you're comfortable, you know, is it because it's like a padded bit underneath you? You know, is that what makes you comfortable? Is what makes you uncomfortable the feature asking you a question? The feature should get on and just fetch. You know. It'd be nice to have a recliner, but. Now, if you had a recliner that you could put your feet nice up, yeah. nice and high. Yeah, that'd be. Exactly the right blend of medication makes me comfortable. Exactly the right blend of medication, I know it's sad, Adam. But it's true. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, that would bring comfort and ease life. Perhaps when we, we get our treatment right. That element. Familiar surroundings. Familiar surroundings brings comfort, doesn't it? And Warm, being somewhere, I think. Warmth. Warmth. Yeah? That, uh, that Goldilocks zone, you know, not too hot, not too cold. Just right. You know, warmth in a lot of things. I, 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 I think, yeah. Thing, things that we are comfortable with are, are, makes life easier. Makes it, you know, easy to journey through the middle somehow, whether it's a comfy chair or familiar surroundings or just the right temperature makes it easier for us. And sometimes things are tricky. But we might like our comforts. Um, next door in the manse, we've got two sofas in the lounge. When, it's, when the kids have gone to bed and I sit on the sofa, I will sit in the same bed. You know, four possible. You could actually squeeze three people on our sofa. They're reasonably long. But I always tend to sit on the middle of the same cushion. You know, near the radiator, opposite the telly. That's my position. There's a comfort there. Certain types of food are seen as comfort food. Maybe unchallenging. They're familiar to us. Maybe high in calories. Quite often warm, though of course ice cream might also fit into that category, depending on who you are. Uh, although it's cold, it takes the other boxes. But there's a saying, isn't there? Familiarity breeds contempt. And when something is too common... And uh, there can be a danger of that. And uh, I feared that as I approached this passage um, for tonight. You know, that it might be too familiar. Too comfortable to us. Do we know it too well? You see, we're in this bit of post-Easter, but before Ascension. We're in this time... 
um, where there's only a limited number of passages that we tend to relate to in the scriptures, and, and you know them. Yeah, there's going into an empty tomb, or there might be a reading about Mary seeing a gardener. Uh, what about the road to Emmaus? Disciples in a locked room and Jesus coming among them. Thomas doubting, or does he? And then we get to Peter goes fishing. You know, beyond this, you're, you're just about on the mountainside. And the clouds taking Jesus away from view. As people wonder about Christ's return. And although I want to be seasonal, you know, Easter's a great time. We've got a lot to celebrate. We delight in the risen Lord. Here I am. This is my fifth Easter here at Linfield, having been here four years. And it's the third time I've preached on this same passage. And it's like, wow. How relaxed are we into it? How familiar are those words? How often have we heard them over the years and we go, that's it. But yet, as I read it again and again, as I started to prepare, I started thinking, there's something here about comfort and actually not being comfortable. And there's something going on with Simon Peter. Peter's day comes to the evening and he does not flop down in whatever the first century equivalent of a comfy chair was. You know, he doesn't have a little table right in front of him, right in front of his sofa that he can put his feet up on, sit round, have a bit of a chat, drink a cup of... Well, it wouldn't be tea and it wouldn't be coffee. Um... Maybe a glass of wine. That's not him, is it? He declares, I'm going fishing. Whatever's gone on in that day, that's it. I'm going fishing. And we see six friends follow him out to the boat out to the Sea of Tiberias, out to Lake Galilee. We're not given the reason, we're not given the thing that that pushes Simon Peter to think that, you know, let's go fishing. It's the end of the day. The night is ahead. And we know that they go fishing at night. But he suddenly decides to push the boat out. And it is perhaps because of comfort and discomfort. Peter chooses to go to a place that he knows well, to do something that he's familiar with, to get out of that room that they've been meeting in. 
and do something from the past, something that he can relate to. And I just wonder whether it's his way of dealing with stress. Over the previous three years, the disciples had seen amazing things. Jesus had performed miracles of healing and bringing wholeness into lives. Miracles that opened eyes, signs of great wonder that revealed something of who he was and of the kingdom that God promises is to come. But all those mind-blowing experiences just pale away with Holy Week and Easter. The roller coaster of their lives over the last few days and weeks has been enormous. And for Peter, Peter who was so close to Jesus and then disowned him, only to see the risen Lord, that, that must have been beyond his understanding. In the modern world, we would expect, we'd be surprised if they weren't suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. That the first century doesn't name it doesn't mean that mental health was not an issue. And it probably was for Peter. Peter is living in a stressful world. And he isn't 100% sure of where he is and what he's doing. Look at where he's been recently. What happens at the empty tomb in John 20? The beloved disciple, who we tend to read as being John, enters after Peter. On entering the tomb, John believed... John writes down but he doesn't say the same about Peter and the two head home together it says still not understanding the scriptures later as Jesus appears twice to the disciples he blesses them with peace be with you it's not the angel's words to Mary of do not be afraid. It's peace be with you. And those are words that they need to hear. I commented the other week, peace, the word in Greek, relates to harmony. Yet the peace are in our passage doesn't really seem to have much peace. He, he, he doesn't have that harmony that he needs to grab hold of, that he needs to be a part of. There's something unsettling him. On the lake, we see the fishermen casting the net again and again and again. I wonder if being out on the water in the familiar sight, the familiar smell of the lake has done for Peter what he was hoping it would do. 
strongly suspect that it hasn't. Maybe the physical exertion of fishing. I think that too would fall short of what the disciple was seeking. I wonder, as they went through the exercise of being up all night and being tired and frustrated at not bringing the catch in, whether an earlier similar episode comes back to their mind. Was there a spiritual dimension in their actions? Did they pray about what they were going to do? What they were doing? About how the fishing didn't work? Was there any sense of spirit there at all? Where has the Lord been in their thoughts in this dilemma? At what point did Peter think of Jesus being the answer to his issues? About being the way ahead. And when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances... Do we automatically turn to the Lord? Do we have persistent prayer that comes before God and seeks him to be the solution of what we are facing? A voice comes from the shore. Without asking for it, the voice comes. Jesus speaks. Throw it again. Throw it again on the right side. As he hears it, Peter doesn't see what's happening. The disciples throw the net straight away. There's no hesitation. Back in Luke 5, when it's the call, there's a bit of a, oh, what do you mean by that? But here, there's no hesitation. The disciples throw the net. But Peter still doesn't quite see it. He doesn't see what's happening. It's only when who speaks? The beloved disciple. The one who went into the tomb. With Peter, the one who believed when he saw the folded grave clothes. It's only when John speaks, saying, It is the Lord, that it all comes together for Simon Peter. He's been in the empty tomb, he's seen the risen Lord at least twice, he's heard the testimony of others. But now with the words of his friends and the physical reminder of his calling, something of the Peter of old is back. The healing has begun, though it's got to take a bit more chatting with Jesus before there's a wholeness there. 
It's the start of a journey, but not the completion. That comes beyond the bit that we read tonight. Whatever we are going through, whatever the mental or physical issue, God has love. He knows our situation and Jesus is there standing by the bank. Are we ready to have ears open to listen to that presence calling out to us? We must not simply try to find our own path. As maybe Simon Peter had that night, saying, I'm going fishing. But we must humbly recognise the Christ. And we must listen to him as he says, come. As he says, eat. And with the bread broken, we encounter new life. He longs for our wholeness. Yet he also doesn't leave us too comfortable. The message that went with the huge catch at the call of the disciples remains. Let us be fisher folk, serving the Lord as we see the kingdom grow.